All right. Good morning. I don't know if it is the exhaustion or the stress, but I'm crying. <laughs> Man, uh, it's been a powerful weekend, to say the least. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ian. I'm the student pastor here at FBC. Um, and if you're a guest with us, like Mike said, you are walking into uh, the closing and the conclusion of our Disciple Now weekend. Um, the Lord has been doing a lot of crazy things this weekend, and I'm so excited to share them. With you. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and get those out. We're going to be in John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the majority of the text, but we're going to start in verses 21 and we'll read through verse 29. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one somewhere around you. Feel free to use that. Um, and if you don't want to use that either, the words will be on the screen behind me. It's always important for you to know that what we teach at this church are not just our opinions or our thoughts, uh, they're what we see and hear from God's living word, His breath. On a page. Uh, while you're finding your place, getting comfortable, uh, I do want to be able to share uh, some of the amazing things God has done this weekend. So we've had, uh, this is session four for us in regards to a time of teaching and worship. Um, and each and every one, God has been just leaping off of the page and just convicting us, and including me and the rest and our team and everybody else involved. And it's been incredible. And I, um, I want to be able to thank real quick uh, all the people who have helped, and I, I can't ask you to see them in enough time for that, but I did that yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm just super grateful for all the people who took the time to make the food, to help make the car wash happen, to help make Capture the Flag happen, to help make all the craziness that this week happened. I'm super grateful for all of you and super honored to do ministry with you um, and alongside you this weekend. Um, and if you didn't know, uh, we had a car wash this past, or yesterday, um, and the whole point of that was, man, there's a, there is this darkness in the world right now called human trafficking. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but slavery very much is still alive. Uh, there are more slaves in the world now than there have ever been in all of history. So me knowing this and introducing it to the students, and students also agreeing, we want to do something about this. Indifference for us is not an option. We want to be able to step in and say, we're going to do something about it. I also invited the church into this and say, you know what, what we want to do at Dunyan, we, we want to have a time to serve, but we want to go to something that we think really needs it, really matters. So uh, we had a car wash. Uh, we had a car wash out here from 1.30 um, to 4 o'clock, and it was about two and a half hours. And in that time, um, through the generosity of just inviting, all I did was invite the church, come be a part of this. Let's, let's go after this and help these girls. Because we partnered with a, a ministry called Redeem Ministries, and they're, they're located in Austin, um, and their entire mission is to care for, counsel, love on, rehabilitate, and introduce them to Jesus. That's our whole mission for these, for these people, these girls specifically who have gone through human trafficking. And I mentioned it last week for some of you who are in here in the service, but one of the testimonies of these girls is they consider themselves a toilet. They considered themselves something where guys would just go and relieve themselves and move on to the next thing. They just saw themselves as a simple object. And so Redeem Ministries is about helping love on and care for them and help them see that God is so much more. Something we talked about this weekend is that we live in a broken world, but we don't worship a broken God. So we want to introduce Him to that King, to our King, our Savior. So we... Um, I forgot to tell the students this, but I, I told them my projected goal, my hope was $1,000. I was like, I, if we raised $1,000, that would be awesome. And the students don't know this yet, but I, 
Um, I announced our results to the first service, and I encouraged them, hey, if I know some of you weren't able to make it, but we're definitely still taking donations. We'll be taking the money to redeem sometime this week or the next. And I had some very generous people approach me, and we got um, more money. So we've actually uh, got a little bit more than what y'all know about. So um, last night, we were at $2,150, and in that in itself is incredible. Um, but through the generosity of just people <laughs> after the first service, we are now at $2,600, and that is incredible. Praise the Lord. So, knowing all of that and what's coming, that's why I cried. It's been an awesome, powerful weekend, and I'm so blessed to be able to know all of you and be able to hang out with these, with these guys. They're incredible, and I'm so proud of them, and I hope you are too. You should be. All right, let's dive into God's Word. So, John chapter 4, we're going to jump in at verse 21. I'm going to read through verse 29. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to jump in and see what the Lord has for us, okay? So, John chapter 4, starting in verse 21, and the Word of God says this. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away in a town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Let's pray again real quick. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. And God, I pray as as we dive in, God, would you speak to us? Um, God, I I ask for our church this morning, same thing I've been asking for our students. God, may may we be able to make a decision for you this morning, not because of what people say, not because of what our parents say, not because of what culture says. People think Jesus is a liar or he's a lunatic or he's the son of God. And I pray you remind us today, again, again, That you are who you say you are. You are worthy to be trusted. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy to be praised. I pray chains are broken this morning. I pray people go from dead to life this morning. That through your power, life can come from ashes. And God, as I speak, God, would you speak clearly? May it be something that is remembered and easy to understand. And may your name and your words be remembered and not my own. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, something I have discovered just through trying to try my best to pay attention to the ever-changing culture, I believe there is something that is true of humans, all humans. It is like this innate, God-given thing that we all have, and we are people who love stories. And we love to share those stories. I mean, think about it. That's why we love movies so much. That's why we love Netflix so much. That's why we like books so much. We like to be engrossed in these stories. 
Some of, the be- some of the best music we listen to are the ones that can tell a story in like three or four minutes, and that's pretty impressive. We love stories. We're, we're the type of people who, if we, if we encounter something, if we step into a story and we're a part of it, or if we just witness it, we're people who like to go and talk about it, right? You wouldn't believe what happened at the game last night. You wouldn't believe what happened at church this morning. You wouldn't believe who I saw at the grocery store and what she was telling me. We are people who like to share stories. I think this is only heightened. I mentioned this in the, in the first service, and I think this is most certainly more relevant for y'all. But we most certainly see this now in a social media culture. The whole point of social media is share, 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 share. Let me take a picture of my food so you can see it as if we care what you're eating. That, that's what Instagram is basically all about. That's half of it. But if you watch on Facebook, it's just a bunch, it's a bunch of videos that people share. Hey, this is really funny. Or hey... This is really tragic. Nonetheless, we are definitely, most certainly a people who love to say, hey, this is awesome. This is fantastic. This is hilarious. Or hey, this is really sad. This is really disheartening. Whatever it may be, we are a come watch this culture. We are a come and check this out type of people. When we have something that invokes in us such a strong emotion that says, no, 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 this is worthy of sharing, we do it. We invite people into what is happening, whether big or small. Now, why talk about all that? Why talk about all that? Well, this morning, we're going to walk into a story. You're going to witness somebody who is so impacted by Jesus in such a way that she can't help but move it on to something else. She can't help but invite people into what she's experienced. Okay, so... Before I give too much away, let's jump into the text. John chapter 4. Um, we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. I didn't want to read verse 1 through 42. We're going to be here a while if, we, if I did that. But we're going to work our way through this now. Um, so verses 1 through 6 are going to help us set up some context of what's happening in the text. So now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Um, I love the detail of uh, the Bible. Verse 2, although just Jesus himself did not baptize, thank you for the clarification, John, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sichar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. It means it was about noon. That's something, hang on to that. Um, but what we see, setting up context, is that Jesus, here his Pharisees are looking for him. Just so you know, just a quick history lessons. Jesus and uh, the Pharisees did not get along at all. If you read the Bible, it was actually like the scribes and the Pharisees who killed Jesus. They were the ones who murdered him. They were the ones who made sure he found himself on a cross. So Jesus, knowing it wasn't his time yet, says, all right, if they're looking, we need to go. And they go to Galilee. But to get to Galilee, they, take, they go a route that most Jews normally go through, and they go through Samaria. Something you should know about Jews and Samaritans is they don't get along. There is a lot of racial tension there. There's a lot of problems with race and ethnicity and culture with the Jews and the Samaritans. A lot of racism and a whole lot of discrimination. So for them to go through Jews walking through Samaria was unheard of. People didn't do that. But Jesus didn't necessarily do what most people would. But we have the story, Jesus is going through Samaria to get to Galilee, and we find that he stops in Samaria at Jacob's well. And he's wearied, so he stops. 
and he sits down and he waits and it's about noon. Verse 7, we get introduced to this other person in the story. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Why didn't you ask your disciples, Jesus? Verse 8, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So we, we have the scene now. It's Jesus and this woman. And Jesus says, hey, I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? Now, like I said, remember, Jews and Samaritans, they don't, they don't interact. So the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she's intrigued by Jesus from the beginning. She's like, hold on. Your people don't talk to my people. And my people don't talk to your people. So why are you talking to me? Why are you wasting your time talking with me? And the first thing I can see here that I love so much is that Jesus really does not care about ethnic or social or cultural boundaries when it comes to your heart. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear. It doesn't matter what job you have. Jesus will do anything he can to sit down and make sure he has a conversation with you. We've been talking about that all weekend with the students. That God will do anything he can to sit down and work in your heart. He will do anything he can to sit down at the well with you and talk with you. Now, I've got to say this. A lot of you in here, you need to let him do that this morning. There's stuff in your heart that God wants to work out and you keep pushing them off, pushing them off, pushing them off. But let him work that out in you today. God wants your heart and for good reasons. He only wants the best for you. Let him work out in your heart. That's why we read from the Bible. I tell people all the time, if you just listen to me, you might have a great day. You might have a great weekend. If I'm lucky, you might have a great month. But I can't change your life. But Jesus can So this morning, ultimately, listen to what God has to say. Don't listen to me. Listen to what God is trying to say through me. Let him work in you. Let him speak to you this morning. Moving forward, Jesus answers her, because she has an obvious question, and he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus responds, and he says, If you knew who I really was, and I think we can relate to this because right now she doesn't understand. Right now she doesn't understand. He's saying, if you knew who I was, you would be, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. And Jesus says the same thing to us quite often. How often do we doubt Jesus? How often do we question Jesus? How often do we not trust Jesus? Because if we knew who Jesus really was and truly believed that, we'd never leave him. We'd never doubt him. We would never question him. If we knew the gift of grace and salvation that is offered to us through Christ, we would ask for it and he would freely give it to us. And this is the type of conversation he's trying to have with this woman. But she's perplexed, obviously. So he says this, or she says this. The woman said to him, Sir... You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So I love her response. He's like, I know you just said you can give me water, but you don't have no jar, bro. I'm really confused. What are you talking about here? And the well's really deep, so 
Can, I, I don't understand. You're starting to sound a little crazy to me. And of course, Jesus responds, 13. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water now so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Here's what's happening in the text. This woman has to take her jar of water up to this well and back home every day so she can have water. And Jesus is just saying like, hey... I can give you water that your thirst will be quenched forever and you don't have to keep making this trip. So naturally, common sense kind of kicks in. She's like, hold, hold, hold on. You're saying I never have to carry this stupid jar again and have to reach down to this really deep well to get my water. You're telling me you can give me water right now that will just quench my thirst forever? That's what you're saying? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for that. Um, one thing I've discovered since I got out of high school and going through college and now married, and I realized probably the most expensive thing in my life is food. I didn't get that warning, guys. I'm very grateful for my parents because I ate a lot. I still do. But if I, if I was offered that thing to be like, hey, if you just take this, you never have to eat again. You're never going to be hungry again. Now I'm still going to eat because chocolate shakes are too good and so it was a good steak. But you don't have to. You can just eat whenever you want. You're not driven by your hunger. That's what Jesus is offering this woman. Now, he's not talking about literal water, but he is talking about something so much more important. So much more important. What Jesus is doing here is presenting a picture to us about life. He's presenting a picture to us about life. And he's showing us there's a whole lot more to life than just the water or the thirst. And what he's trying to say is every time you try to drink from the well of the world, you will be unsatisfied. Every time you try to reach into the well of the world and drink from it, your thirst will never be quenched. You'll always be longing for more. You will never feel complete. You will never be made whole. You can never be truly healed. If you drink from the world, you can't be satisfied. But if you take from the water that God can give you, the living water, your thirst will be quenched. And I love how Jesus explained this in the text. He says, you will have a well. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what Jesus is trying to say from the forefront is, there's a difference from what the world can give you and there's a difference from what I can give you. Okay? And we're going to see that as Jesus progresses on and does a very important thing in the next three verses. Verse 16. <laughs> this is fun. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, This is where it helps to be the Son of God. You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I love verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. No kidding. No kidding. Now, um, first and foremost, what I, would, what I see in this text is that um, Jesus, if you, read, if you read the Bible, if you read the Gospels, he's incredibly honest. 
And I like that. Sometimes they're like, oh, that was a little harsh, Jesus. I'm an honest type of guy. I think my wife most certainly understands this. I think the staff's beginning to know this. I'm a not beat around the bush type of guy. I like to get to the point. I like to think I get that from Jesus. Maybe that's a cop out. I'll let you, I'll let you be the judge of that. But Jesus likes to get to the point. Jesus likes to get to the point. And the reason for that is he wants to get to the heart of the matter. He doesn't, he wants to get to the root issue of what's going on in your life, of what's going on in your heart. He wants to get to the heart of the matter. Because at every, at the heart of every matter is the matter of the heart. And I know it's a fun play on words, but it's very true. At the heart of every matter is the matter of your heart. We all have broken hearts. We all have something in us that needs to be healed, redeemed, restored, brought back to life. And that's why God wants our heart so bad. That's why he cares about it so bad. That's what Jesus wants to talk about. That's why he takes this roundabout way to get to like, hey, let's talk about what's really going on in your life. Let's talk about what's really going on here. Because this woman's story reveals a lot about her. This woman's story reveals a lot about her. Now, let's back up a little bit. We see in verse 6, Jesus sits at, the, sits at the well at noon. And that's when he meets the woman who's carrying this jar to get water. Now, normally in this culture, you do not go get water in the heat of the day. You don't go and run in Texas in July at noon. You'll pass out. But this woman takes this journey and the rest of the culture they either go early in the morning with other people so they're not by themselves or they go late in the evening with other people where it's least hot and they're with community but this person is going at the heat of the day why? because she doesn't want to see people and why wouldn't she want to be, be seen by other people? because she's been outcasted We live in a small town, so we can relate to this. But she lives in this small village where everybody would know who she is. Everybody would know where she's coming from, and they would know her past. They would know that she's had five husbands and, now, and is now living with this other dude. And she would have this label of, and this reputation of she's easy. She gets around a lot. She's dirty. Or she's damaged goods. So to avoid the mockery and the criticism, she goes up to the well alone where she doesn't have to be reminded of the mistakes she's made and the mistakes she's currently walking in. She has been cast out and condemned because of her sin. And I just want to take a moment real quick and just say, I think there's a chance some of you in here might feel that way today. There's a chance some of you in here, you feel that. You feel like you've been like an outcast. You feel like you're in isolation for whatever reason. But some of you may feel that way specifically because people know your sin. People know where you've messed up. And instead of offering you grace, your friends and family have simply shook their fist at you and said, how could you? And they've cast you out. And before we get moving, I just, I just, I don't, I'm going to say this to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're going through that. I'm sorry you're experiencing that. 
I'm sorry that people have treated you like that. I'm sorry if even Christians have treated you like that. I'm sorry if that hurt you feel is from the church. But I just want to remind you, we are a sinful people. That doesn't excuse it. But we don't always give an accurate representation of Jesus. And I want you to know how Jesus thinks of you and Jesus loves you. He died for all of those sins so you don't have to carry that shame. You don't have to carry that guilt anymore. By putting your faith in Him, you can be set free. You are given a new identity. You are not damaged goods. You are not too far gone. You are not dirty. By giving your faith to Him, you are pronounced adopted and a daughter or a son. Please believe that this morning. Please trust that. I'm sorry you've been hurt, but believe in the freedom and the forgiveness found in Christ. And I also got to flip a coin here and say something um, I don't necessarily want to, but some of you in here might be the people who are shaking their fists. Some of you in here might be the people who are holding that grudge. Holding these sins against a friend or a family member or a another person in our community, and I just had to ask you kindly, please repent. Please repent. What you're doing in that moment is you are saying that you can offer a better justice to this person than God. You're also saying that God has enough grace and forgiveness for your sin, but He doesn't have enough grace and forgiveness for their sin. But no, God loves them and pursues them just like He pursues all of us. So I would ask you, Reconcile. God is a God who loves unity. And He abhors division. So reconcile. Bring healing into that relationship, okay? And moving forward. Like I said, Jesus is alluding to something. We saw that in His first introduction about everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty. Again, from the world. But if you drink from me, you will be satisfied. And all of us in the room today are just like this woman in regards to thirst and wanting satisfaction. The thirst that the woman has and that we all have is normal. We all have this innate desire within our bones, within our heart to be complete, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, to be made whole. But Jesus is introducing here and showing the thirst isn't the problem. It's where she's trying to quench it. That's the issue. The solution that she's running to for that thirst, that's the problem. We see for her issue specifically is she believes she's going to be complete. She's going to have her, all her wildest dreams fulfilled in men. If I just find the right guy, everything will be as it should be. My life will be how I want it to be if I just get with the right guy. But we see with her... First one didn't end up well. So she moves on. Maybe it's maybe I just picked the wrong guy. It's still in guys, but it, that was just the wrong guy. But husband number two didn't work. And husband number three didn't work. And husband number four didn't work. Husband number five didn't work. And now we're testing out on this maybe number six. And what we see here is the thirst itself to want to be complete, to want to be loved, to want to be known and cherished. And respected and cared for. That thirst is not bad. It's not evil. It's not wicked. But she's looking for it in all the wrong places. And we all do the same. 
Some of you are, are like her and you're trying to find it in a relationship. You're trying to find it in some guy or some girl. Some of you are trying to find your fulfillment and your purpose in your job. And how high you can move up the ladder. Or how good you are at your work. How much praise you can get for how good of a job you're doing. Some of you parents, I have to say this, some of you are trying to do it by living vicariously through your kids. And that's damaging that relationship. They cannot be God for you. Kids, students, some of you think if you just had better parents, your life would be better. If my parents were just more fun, or if they just could understand me, all of this stuff that I'm wrestling with, it wouldn't be here. If things would go better with sports, if things would go better with school, if things would go better with my family, if, if, this, if this, all of these changes could just happen in the world around me, then I'll be okay. And something we talked about with our students last night is you don't need a change of circumstance. We need a change of heart. And the only way you and I can ever be satisfied, regardless of the circumstances around us, is if we drink from the well of Jesus. And the only way to do that is by knowing Him and making Him Lord of your life and surrendering completely to Him, His will, His way. The thirst we all have is real and normal, but it can only be quenched by God. You can only be satisfied, be made complete, be made whole in knowing Jesus and in making Him known. That's it. That's it. And moving forward here in the text. Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So first what Jesus is doing here is he's ushering in a new age of what it means to know God. That God is not this far off deity, but he's near. That you can worship him, that you can have a relationship with him, that you can know him. But he's also reminding us that worship is not simply this thing you do where you come in on Sundays and sing songs and leave. Romans 12 makes it abundantly clear that we worship with our entire life. Worship is not just in how you sing, it's how you live. It's not just in how you sing on Sundays. It's how you live. It's how you spend time in God's Word. It's how you love other people. It's how you spend time in your communities. That's how you worship. And that's the change Jesus is bringing to the scene. And then, best of all, Jesus says to our 26, I who speak to you am He. And this would blow the roof off of this woman's paradigm because her entire life, because of what she's done, she's been an outcast. Nobody wants to talk to her. Nobody wants to spend time with her. She's avoiding people. They're avoiding her. And yet, the Son of God makes time for her. The Son of God says, no, I care about you. I know what your past is, but I'm still offering you the living water. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. You can be made whole. Trust me. Accept my well. Accept my living 
water. Except my living water. And we see in this encounter that it completely changes everything about her life. And we see the disciples come back and in verse 28, the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, and I love this, this is everything. Come see. Come and see. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And what's so crazy about this is when you have a true encounter with the living God, with the creator of the universe, his son come down to earth and you actually meet him and you know him and you interact with him, you can't help but talk to the people around you and share with the people around you and say, come and see. When you have a true encounter with God, it, it wells up in you a passion and a zeal that is uncontainable and it is wildly contagious to come tell the world, tell your family, tell the community, come and see. Come and see my God. Come and see what He has done for us. Come and see what He has done in me and can most certainly do for you. Come and see. When you truly meet Jesus, it will waken in you this well that's springing up to eternal life. That it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what, what, where, you, where you are now in your life. If you know Jesus, the only appropriate response to encountering Him and knowing Him and following Him is telling the world and the community here is come and see. Church, when was the last time you just simply invited somebody to church? When was the last time you just invited somebody? Hey, let's, let's read the Bible together. I want you to meet my God who's just doing all this crazy stuff in my life. When was the last time you just invited somebody over to your home just to love on them? Why are you having me over your house? Well, I, I want to I I just say I love you, I'm grateful for you, and God has given me abundance through His Son, and I want to give you an abundance in love right now, and I want you to know Him too. When was the last time you simply told the world, told the community, told the friend, come and see, come and meet my Jesus? Because in verse 30, I love this response, it's incredible. They went out of the town and they were coming to him. Now imagine this interaction. Remember, this girl is known for one thing. And yet, they're going out. She's coming in like, hey, come and see, come and see this guy who has told me all that I have ever done. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but if I just had somebody come and drag out all of my darkness, all of my dirt from my past, I wouldn't be bragging about like, hey, come see this person who's just told me all that I ever did. I'd probably be wallowing in my, my game and, or, wow, guilt and shame. There we go. I, I, I combine uh, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame, and I would have tears and just destroyed on the ground. But she had such an encounter with Jesus that, no, everybody was shaking their fists at me. But you knew my past, and you loved me anyway. And I want to go share this. I want to go invite people into this. And these people are like, we know your past, but he knows your past. And he loves you anyway, like we probably should have. Maybe we should go check this out. And they went out of the town. 
They went out of the town and they were coming to him. And all it took was this passion that is uncontainable when you meet Jesus. Undeniable when you truly have an encounter with the living God. And they go. And we have this interaction with Jesus and the disciples while this has happened. And I want to get to uh, the, main, the main part. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So what Jesus is trying to do in this moment is he's trying to tell his disciples, look, lift up your eyes. The field is ready. People are ready to hear that there is a living water that can quench their souls. There is something that can come and bring them to life. There is something that could change their entire life, change a trajectory as they know it in this world. The harvest is ready. And he's telling them to go. And church, i got to ask, the harvest is ready, but are we? The harvest is ready, but are you? Are you ready and willing to be able to stay, maybe step a little bit out of your comfort zone to say, come and see. Come and meet my God. Come and meet this Jesus who is doing things in my life that are unexplainable and I want you to know him too. Students, are you willing to do that? As you, as a lot of you profess, you have been awakened this week and as you go back to school where life's going to go back to normal again and you're going to go to lunches again, you're going to go to classes again, are you going to be unashamed and have the courage to say, come and see, come and meet my God? The harvest is ready, but are we? I believe we are. I think we can. We just got to go and do it. We got to go out, take a step of faith. Believe in that our God is who he says he is and have the faith to step out and say, come and meet him. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did and I love that so much. Man. You had people coming to know Jesus because of that courage. Because you were willing to step out and say, come and see, come hear my story. He knew all that I ever did and he loved me the same. He knows all that you ever did and all he wants to do is love you. He wants to give you so much more than you could ever comprehend. Stop stop running to a sandbox when God is trying to give you the beach. This is what God is trying to offer you. And it was by this woman's testimony that they were able to believe. But probably more than that, I love this so much. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. 42. So awesome. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And God, that is my prayer for this church. That is my prayer for us as a people, that our testimonies and our invitation, our come and see moments would bring people in. But then you have people who, who stay and they join the community because they can now confidently say, it's no longer because of what you said. It's no longer because of your enthusiasm. It's no longer because of your joy. It's no longer because of your invitation that we believe, that I believe But I, we have heard it for ourselves. I have made the decision myself. I know it 
for certain we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That can be the trajectory of this church. The harvest is ready. And that's what I, that's my prayer for us, that we're able to see people. I'm like, how'd you come? We were always invited here, but now I know Jesus myself, and now I'm inviting people. The joy that brought them in is now the joy that's in them, and it's just growing, and it's multiplying. This is the power of God. Our testimony becomes their own new story in Christ. So church, before we close, I want to ask again, are we ready? Are we willing? Do we have the faith? Do we have the courage to be able to say, come and see, come see. The harvest is ready. Look up and see it. See the people, see the broken, see the weary, see the wounded who need the living water that you know of, that you have All you have to do is share it and invite them into it. Come have what I have. Come meet the Jesus that I know. And I just want to invite one more thing. For those of you who are constantly running to the well of the world, may I ask, have faith in Christ. He really is all he says he is, and he really can quench your thirst. He really can heal you. He really can make you whole. Something I love, if you go back to verse 28, John takes note that the woman left her water jar. She left her water jar and went away into town. Which is so mind-blowing to me because she took the water jar to get something, right? She took her water jar to come get what she wanted. But she had an encounter with Christ and it was so incredible that she left it there. And some of you are taking a jar today to the well of trying to get life from your marriage, trying to get life from your job, trying to get life through lust, trying to get life through your kids. And God is offering you, leave your jar here. You don't need it anymore. You are fully satisfied in me. Leave your jar and accept the living water given to you freely in Jesus. That's why he died. That's why he rose from the grave. In dying, he took all of our sins, all of our past, and he killed it with his death. And in rising, he destroyed it. And now through faith in him, through trusting him, through being able to say, Jesus, take my life, take all of me. I surrender all that I am to you. I want your will, your way, your plans, your purposes. Just take me, I trust you. That's all it takes to take the living water and be satisfied and have that quenched thirst. Come and see. And let's tell the world, come and see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for your willingness to step into our stories. And to speak to us, no matter what we're going through, to make time for us. 
Even though people have called us outcast, even though people have said we're too far gone, even though people have said we are dead, we are damaged goods, we are dirty, you don't speak that identity over us. You offer us living water. You offer us grace. You offer us life. The world only brings deception and destruction and empty promises. But your word and your promises never return void. We can trust you. We believe in you, Jesus. Help us to have the faith to believe in you, to say, Jesus, I believe you are. I believe that your living water is true. Help us to accept that, God. Help us to believe that today, God. Forgive me for running to so many different wells and not trusting you. But thank you for the grace that allows me to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. But I want you and you alone. I want you to rule over my life. I want you to lead the way. I want you to decide. And God, I want to pray for this church. May we be a people who have the faith and the courage to simply say, come and see. Come and meet my Jesus. May we be willing to take this message out of the church, into our homes, into the community, at the games, at the grocery store, at the restaurants, to simply just say, come and see. Come and see what God has done, what He's doing in me, and what He will do for you in the future. Give us the faith, Jesus. We love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.